Welcome to the Gay Buddhist Forum, where teachers from all schools of Buddhism offer their perspectives on the Dharma and its application in modern times, especially for LGBTQI audiences. These talks are offered freely to the world and made possible by appreciative listeners. If you would like to support our efforts to share the Dharma with underserved audiences, please visit gaybuddhist.org. There you can donate, find a list of upcoming speakers, or enjoy many hundreds of these recorded talks dating back to 1996. to start off with a chant and close with a chant probably. Maybe in the middle of the talk there'll be another chant. <laughs> uh, before I do that, I'd like to uh, get a raise of hands of anyone who has ever come to one of my um, day of mindfulness retreats or at Q Sangha, which is nicely wonderful. I'm glad that you're continuing your practice. So uh, Howard here is going to help me on guitar. He uh, was very gracious because uh, he hasn't picked up a guitar in years, and I just encouraged him to to try, give it a try. This is big the, grace. For <laughs> <laughs> the benefit of all beings. Hold <laughs> me big time. <laughs> so um, this is very simple chant. It's just one word sung over and over again. Avalokita, uh, which is a short form of Avalokiteshvara which is uh, the Bodhisattva, who is the great compassion Bodhisattva, the enlightening being who, uh, who perceives the cries of the world and holds all the suffering in his or her heart. I like this Bodhisattva because uh, he's a transgender Bodhisattva. <laughs> Eventually he became a she in China and other countries as Kuan Yin. Very perfect bodhisattva for us. So, and we can, uh, as we chant this, we can ha- either have our hands together at heart or hands open on our lap, just to symbolize openness to the heart of compassion that we all 
are expressions of. So I'll just sing it once through, and then I'll sing each line, and you can repeat each line, and then we'll just chant for a few minutes all together. So.
gratitude to the mother of compassion within our hearts and all beings. May all beings be embraced by great love, by the great heart of all. You know, the Buddha once held up a single flower in front of an audience of many disciples, according to the Zen tradition. And this was an unusual Dharma talk for the Buddha, who was always very eloquent. If you read alone just the Pali version of the canon of the text, it's quite huge, much bigger than the Judeo-Christian Bible. And yet, in this Dharma talk, according to the Zen tradition, he just simply held up a flower. And for a very long time, his disciples were wondering, what's going on? Why isn't he saying anything? (coughs) But after quite a long time, maybe an hour or more, a disciple far in the back, (coughs) Mahakashapa, smiled. And the Buddha confirmed that this particular disciple understood the message. 
in the Indian language and also in the Chinese language, the word for mind also means heart. And this kind of story is about mind-to-mind -mind transmission, but I like to translate it as heart-to-heart -heart <coughs> understanding. Heart-to-heart -heart resonance. Heart-to-heart -heart attunement. I was once at a retreat at Deer Park Monastery near San Diego, California. And I was just spending an informal time there for about a week. There wasn't some sort of formal retreat there. Just wanted to spend a week at the monastery. And I just spent time with the monks. It was just about three lay brothers and then all the rest were monks. So it was kind of nice just to hang out with the monks mm -hmm. and to do the chores with them and meditate with them, converse with them, play volleyball with them. I remember one morning the chanting and meditation service was a little bit different. Instead of doing it in English, they decided to do some of the chanting in Vietnamese. So as I began to chant, I did not know what they were chanting because I'm Chinese and I don't understand Vietnamese. But I just listened and it was about the third or fourth day of the retreat, so I was very present, very open-hearted. And as I began to listen to the chant, I closed my eyes and I, this very powerful image of a mountainside came to my mind with the sun just beginning to rise and the Buddha and all the disciples in their robes with this very gentle half smile with their palms together chanting with this full, confident, peaceful joy radiating across the mountain. And then I began to visualize that there were lay disciples all in their white robes also around the mountain. And then, as and they began to chant. And as the chanting continued, the whole planet was filled with people chanting with this joyful, peaceful confidence. And in that moment, I thought to myself, this must be the Heart Sutra they are chanting. And in that moment, they ended the chant switching from Vietnamese to Sanskrit, gate, gate, para gate, para sangate, bodhisattva. And so that clued me, and this was the Heart Sutra. I like to translate that mantra as gone, gone, gone all the way, everyone gone all the way, enlightenment, yahoo. <laughs> <laughs> I love it because it's confident. It's not going, going. It's gone, gone, to all the way. Everyone gone all the way. Enlightenment. Yahoo. And so it's this confidence that the Dharma is powerful and that every being is already enlightenment itself and that we, everyone, no one excluded, are going to wake up and realize this. And that's why that mountainside with the Buddha and the disciples and the whole world filled with this confident joy. It's not, it's so different from the way I grew up as a Southern Baptist where if we didn't preach and give our testimony, people were going to go die and go to hell and it's like, it's going to be really hard to get people saved. In fact, most people aren't going to be going to heaven and, and it's this fear and this struggle and this striving to want to save the world. But 
This kind of feeling is completely opposite. It is absolute peaceful, confident joy, a knowing that all beings are included. No being is excluded from the great heart of the universe. Today is Mother's Day, and mothers are usually associated with the heart. Of course, not every mother is able to be in touch with that <coughs> quality, but those that are, it's a wonderful gift to all of us, not only to the actual biological children, but to all people everywhere. Whenever there's a man or a woman that embodies the quality of true, compassionate, nurturing, sacrificial, caring motherhood. It is a gift to the whole world. I remember a couple of months ago, my mother came over to me while I was in the computer room typing. And she just said, she's just so fed up with work and how much stress it is and she needs help and she doesn't have enough help. And I thought to myself, why is she telling me this? <laughs> she knows I'm completely inept at real estate business. <laughs> Let me do a Dharma talk instead. <laughs> But uh, she just kept going on and on, and, and I wasn't sure what she was saying. But then, as I walked away from the computer room to get a glass of orange juice, I just stopped, and I listened to my heart, and I checked in. And I realized what my mother was really asking for was not help at business, but help in her spiritual heart, the stress, and, and the need to just feel heard and cared for by someone that loves her. So instead of getting my orange juice, I walked back into the computer room. I took my mother's hand, and I took her outside to the backyard. We have a beautiful, large backyard with a pond, grass, and trees, and ducks. And so and even though we have this beautiful paradise right in our backyard, our family members rarely ever enjoy it because they're so busy with their real life, so-called. So I took her out, and I said, get your walking shoes out. We're going to walk out. Enjoy the grass, and we're just going to walk slowly. We're going to look at the ducks, look at the trees, look at the flowers, and just breathe. And I, tell, I asked her, maybe you know, on your in-breath, just say, uh, Dear God, and on your out-breath, thank you. Since she's Christian, I wanted to speak to her in terms that she could understand. So, Dear God, thank you, as we walk. So we're doing this. And then, uh, dear God, thank you, dear God, thank you. Oh, you know, those weeds need to be pulled. <laughs> dear God, thank you. That tree needs to be trimmed. <laughs> dear God, thank you. Like, how come all the ducks are not where they're supposed to be? You know, just something. So, uh, oh, we need to pick up that trash over there. <clears throat> well, that was as good as she could do. And so I thought to myself, well, maybe she can't do the breathing in, breathing out thing. Maybe we'll just sing a song that she, she knows. Her, this spiritual practice that she loved growing up in church, was to sing hymns. So we just sang um, the song, uh, God's Eyes on the Sparrow, and I Know God Watches Me. So we just sang that outside and just really just enjoyed the walk. Because the most important thing is, even if she couldn't completely engage in the mindfulness practice of breathing and walking in mindfulness, yet if she could just touch the reality of the heart of the universe, 
which is already enlightenment itself, in just even one moment of just letting go and being present <coughs> through whatever spiritual practice she understands. That's enough. And even just holding hands with my mother, walking with her, giving her the support, the real support she was really asking for, that is enough. So that day I wrote something in my journal and I'd like to share it with you. Begin anew, inspired by the Buddha in you, as written through me. Begin anew. It has been a long time since last we spoke. It does not need to be so long. In every moment, the here and now, the eternal and timeless is always present. It does not take a special feat to touch the here and now. You only need to awaken to this very breath, this very step. In just one moment of mindfulness, everything is made new, moment to moment. Enlightenment, peace, wisdom, joy, these are only one breath away, one step away. But the question is, are you really there, my dear? Are you really there in your breath, in your step? Or are you only daydreaming, sleepwalking? Whatever you think you've done wrong, whatever penance you believe you must perform before you can awaken, I invite you now to let that go. Take a slow, deep breath. And remember the greater reality which holds you, which supports you, which nurtures you. Let there be a moment of awakening let there be several moments of awakening. Every time you rest into this greater reality, the Buddha nature, your true self. And as you begin to rest in your true vastness, a healing takes place, organically and naturally. Forgiveness takes place. Understanding takes place. Reconciliation takes place. Effortlessly. In the eternal and timeless here and now, you can always begin anew. You can always find refreshment and rejuvenation for your earthly body and human mind as you awaken to your universal body and divine mind. Yes, you can do it. It is your birthless birthright. It is your deathless inheritance. So, my beloved, can you drop the story, drop the delusions? Can you let go of self-hate, shame, and unworthiness? Are you willing to relax your hold on control and manipulation? Are you willing to loosen your grasp on false securities from false fears? It only takes one breath, one step in mindfulness, my dear. In just one moment of enlightenment, you can awaken from the illusions of time, pressure, guilt, failure, and regret. You can awaken to the eternal and timeless here and now, to peace and love and wisdom, to true strength and true joy and true beauty, to the Buddha that I am in you and in all beings, 
to the ultimate dimension of all things, the divine all in all. Dew drops on a spring leaf. You can do it. Because you are it. So what's stopping you? From letting go of all the layers that prevent you from expressing the pure, vast light that you are. It is in every cell of your body. It is in your own, your very own heart. You know, according to the neuroscientists these days, they are finding all kinds of interesting things about the mind and about the heart as a physical organ of perception. The brain emits uh, an electromagnetic field. And the heart also emits an electromagnetic field 5,000 times stronger than the brain. There are many different uh, neural cells connecting the brain to the heart that they are finding that it's as if the heart is also an extension of the brain, a different, just like there's like the different parts of the brain, the reptilian brain, mammalian brain, etc. There's also the heart functioning as a kind of brain. 60% of the cells of the heart are neural cells, just like the brain. And so some of the neuroscientists are interpreting this data with the hypothesis that it's possible that this field of energy that's being radiated so strongly is a form of, of the mind engaging with other fields to process energy and information <coughs> in that way so that it's a way of knowing from the heart a way of being with the energy of knowing in this heart way perhaps that is one of the meanings of heart to heart transmission maybe that's what it truly means to awaken to the mind of enlightenment, the heart of enlightenment. To remember that there are other ways of knowing besides a small bandwidth of intellectual rational thinking and to come down to the <coughs> heart knowingness and wisdom is one way of continually opening to that vastness. And of course we don't just stop with the physical heart, it's just a, a another physical organ, but it can clue us into a knowing and a connection, an energy field that connects us and reminds us that we are like the story of the stems connecting to all aspects of the cosmos. At my first retreat at Plum Village in France, I remember 
trying to engage in all the practices there, like sitting meditation, walking meditation, eating meditation, hugging meditation, singing meditation. And remember the practice I really did not like the most was eating meditation. I was too used to growing up with my parents working late hours trying to make a life for the family in this new country. And my, my brother and I would just make our own food and watch cartoons. So it was very difficult for me to break this habit of watching TV and eating or conversing and eating or doing anything else but just eating. And yet, through this practice, I remember one day at lunch, about the third or fourth day of the retreat, I just simply was eating my tofu broccoli and rice, chewing slowly, getting, with the, getting one with the texture, taste, temperature of the food, just really being with it. And then I just stopped and I looked up at the people around my table and they were just so peaceful and happy, eating slowly. And that was the first time I think I really looked up. I was kind of like just trying to do my own thing and I just looked up and they were all so happy and peaceful, so mindful. And I felt a little smile come to my face just looking at them. And then I looked outside the window and the sun was shining through the tree and the leaves were rustling in the wind. And it was very beautiful. And the uh, children with their parents outside were laughing and playing a little bit during lunch. And then my heart just melted and opened and expanded. And tears came down my eyes as I just felt the reality of the interbeing nature of the whole universe. And instead of just being an intellectual concept, it was real in my own body, in the whole universe. And I realized what eating meditation was all about. It's as if the whole universe was eating meditation. Just like I would be eating the food, receiving nourishment, I would be giving nourishment as I went to the bathroom later to give to microorganisms. And also, as my friends around me were eating so mindfully, they were nourishing me. And I hope I was also nourishing them with my mindfulness and smile. And the trees outside were giving us oxygen, nourishing us with oxygen. And we humans and other animals were nourishing the trees outside with our carbon dioxide. And the adults, with their very stable mindfulness and kindness, were nourishing the children with a safe environment. And the children were nourishing the adults with their playful energy, reminding us not to take anything too, too seriously, to remember the inner child that needs nurturing as well. <coughs> Everything in the whole universe is eating meditation, giving and receiving nourishment. And my heart just opened. And it wasn't something that I hadn't felt before, <coughs> but through mindfulness practice, it deepens and widens and it stays longer. And you, the more glimpses you get, the wider the glimpses are until one day you're a full-time Buddha mm -hmm. instead of just a, a part-time Buddha. You know, a few years before I even entered into mindfulness practice, I did actually have a mystical experience. I didn't really share it very often because I was a little embarrassed because it happened during sex. 
Is this being recorded? <laughs> I was with this very beautiful person and it was so playful and so free and so joyful and uninhibited and all of a sudden it was as if the walls were permeable and expanded and I could feel the whole universe and all the galaxies and the stars as if all the galaxies were dancing around each other, lovers dancing with each other. And all the molecules, all the atoms were lovers dancing with each other, as I and this person were dan a dance of lovers too. Everything is this divine love making love to itself in a myriad ways. And the interesting thing about that experience is I didn't need it to, to last forever. In that experience, I knew that the possibility was that I would not stay in this state of consciousness and that it was okay because I knew the truth now. In every moment, we are all a dance of divine love Buddhas making love to Buddhas. From the smallest subatomic particle to the vast mega galaxies of the universe. You know, it was such a, an unexpected experience. I actually asked the person I was with if uh, there was like something put in my drink or something. Because <laughs> I, I wasn't sure why I was experiencing this. And, uh, but it was just a glass of water, and that was all it was. But that same reality was glimpsed in a retreat setting. A different aspect of that same reality, but the same reality nonetheless. In the first experience, I experienced the vast reality from the angle of, of love. In the second experience, I experienced that same reality from the angle of nurture. So we all can experience the same reality in different kinds of ways and different openings. And whatever you call it and whatever angle it is that you experience it, it's the same vast, spacious, clear purity of awareness, the same Buddha nature, manifested, refracted like the pure light into different rainbows of experiences. I dedicate this talk this morning to my dear friend, Roger Corliss, who opened his heart to me in many different ways of kindness and trust. And I'm very sorry that I wasn't able to be here at the time of his passing. I had intended to be here just a few days later. But I know that Roger understands. And so, uh, this was the song I sang at the monastery where I was at on the day he passed away. So I sang it on his behalf for all the monks and nuns and lay 
friends. So this is for you, dear Raj. like to invite us to engage in a wonderful practice that comes from Thich Nhat Hanh's community, which I always want to try to include whenever possible, <coughs> which is to allow the Dharma talk not to come from the facilitator, but from all persons present. So I'd like for all of us to just share from our hearts, just in one or two sentences, what opens our heart. Or if you want to share something else that's going on in your life that you'd like for us to know about, <coughs> to hold you, to let us hold you in our hearts, you can do that. You know, one time when I used to live in uh, Minneapolis for a short time, I I remember one song member at this Zen uh, center. She, you know, her husband was dying of cancer, and she knew this for months. She never had a chance to tell the whole song about it until one day when we happened to be doing this Thich Nhat Hanh practice of mindful sharing in the sharing circle. And then she told us that for months she was holding this by herself when it's not necessary. True Sangha is not just honoring the Buddha or practicing the Dharma or listening to the Dharma, but also being true Sangha, true community. So please share from your heart what opens your heart. Um, or if there's something that I said or we did this morning that oh, that you'd like to sh- say thank you about, you're welcome to do that. Or, or if there's something going on in your life that you'd like us to hold in your heart, 
but because of time, maybe we can just each take maybe just about a minute. So um, I can use my little Korean Zen stick. Don't worry, I'm not going to smack you. What am I supposed to hit it? No. Oh, okay. uh, a blossoming rose opens up my heart. Hmm. Working in my garden. You don't have to be that short, okay? <laughs> but you can if you want. Being with friends opens my heart. Uh, being close with other people. Well, right, right now in my life, it's connecting with my uh, 19-year-old cat that I've had since birth that is now failing, but we're spending a lot of time together, and so that has totally opened my heart. Um, I have a beautiful niece who is almost 12. She's a preteen. Sometimes she dresses like Britney Spears, <laughs> but she's still very loving and loves to be touched and loves to be close to her uncle. And that always makes me very happy. When you were talking, I just I mean, I I felt that in my life my heart opens very easily. It's it's been. I feel almost vulnerable and very sensitive. My heart opens so easily, and I also that vulnerability has led me to be protective a lot, and um, and not feel so um, um, gushy or something almost at times, um, over emotional, and just to, to be reminded to to let that armor down. Um, because everything opens my heart pretty much. Uh, lately, what's been opening my heart is um, mentoring a couple of younger gay men. Um, she fell getting out of her car in the garage and couldn't get up and it was the winter in New England and she spent the night on the concrete floor of the garage before someone found her and I think about her in the, the dark and the cold being ill and old and, and thinking wondering if she'd be found and when you came when we came in this morning and you said that we should think of the word ama and mother it was very unexpected, and it, it, it brought tears to my eyes and opened me for the rest of today. Thank 
heart and sweet reminders of our interconnectedness and great fellowship. I can't imagine being in my vehicle. It's my first time here and it's just really beautiful. So thank you very much. My, uh, my partner of 12 years died four months ago. Every day I uh, have at least one good cry, and that opens my heart. Being nurtured and loved by my friends has really opened my heart. Um, while we were sitting, um, when we began the meditation, you sent a picture of flower opening um, heart. At first, I was just picturing this one flower and it's opening, and then at some point it occurred to me that, you know, I could send that flower out to someone and kind of, uh, you know, if I help them in some way. And then I thought, why well, don't have to do just one? I can do like a whole sky full and send them out to everybody. And so I was thinking about that. And um, I was also, um, I think the thing that opens my heart is when I do something kind for someone who's been expecting it. And so I think that's it. And since we've all been somebody's mother before, happy Mother's Day to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, I, I think for myself, music, um, especially singing, opens my heart. So I've studied for many years, and I really, it's something that has always been very important to me. Um, and it's uh, kind of been neglected lately. So, and then the change as I started to vocalize how much they changed their life. Um, the other thing that opened my heart, um, I ex- I've been experiencing it moments of very kind of profound openings, you know, maybe when I'm gardening or out and stuff, but I've noticed that something different is happening where it's opening slowly over time, that all these events and all these things happening together seem to be, I, I'm beginning, I guess, to see a connection in what in the way you describe it, and it's a much subtler kind of, you know, softer opening. That, that, and I've noticed just this calm, this kind of settling in, even when things aren't going so great. I, it's not like I'm as far out as I, I used to get. So it's it's interesting to watch. <coughs> the opening of of my heart is is really something I'm sort of trying to nurture so that it happens more often. I have, And when it does happen, I'm always particularly grateful because it's sort of like such a joyful experience. And I think the things that, that cause my heart and help me to open my heart is, is, is when I experience intimacy with, with someone else or when I watch someone else's heart open. And, and it was when you were singing the song that you had sung about your friend. I, I, that gave me a, an opportunity to experience that. So, thank you. Music and sharing music opened my heart. Um, also, this morning I, I spoke to my 89 year old mother and uh, I told her that she was a wonderful mother and she actually expressed a lot of insecurity about her mother. <coughs> I was the youngest of five. 
And that really opened my heart to her, just for her to express her fallibility. And, um, and that opens my heart toward other people to see um, where they feel like they struggle. I think all the newborn babies in my life lately have opened my heart. Because I've been very, in the past, close to children and very young children. And my sister just adopted a child named Maya. Best friend had a, a baby named Grace. And um, I'm finding myself being an uncle and being very close and involved in their lives. So all the babies have opened, the Buddha babies have opened my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, thank you. Um, I'm going to see my mother later today, and I'm going to uh, hopefully carry this sharing to her so that she can feel that as well. Thank you. For me, it's playing the piano, which opens my heart. I hope you'll play for the Sangha someday. Um, well, I recently sat in retreat for a week, and I think it was the sitting in silence so much that during that week I felt like my heart really opened a lot. And I've noticed that my sitting practice is really helping with that also. Um. Possibly what opens my heart is laughing with friends, you know, telling good jokes, playing with small dogs, you know, taking care of small kids, cooking, just having a good time. Um, <clears throat> what opens my heart is the privilege of being there for someone when they're in need. And I can provide whatever I can, any comfort, always opens my heart. Something that opens up my heart a lot is the community of others that are in this type of community that I'm in right now. And just hearing the the facilitation of what's being said today has just really spoke to me because it's been a long time since I've been in this kind of environment and just having people open up and really express how they are true to their heart really opens my heart. And thank you. <coughs> Um, oh, I guess what opens my heart at the moment, many things. Um, I, I feel like I'm always running around. I always feel like I have all, all these things to do in so little time. So what opens my heart are those rare moments where I have the luxury of nothing to do and an expansive free time and a, and a place of beauty, like, a, like my favorite place in the Bay Area, Mount Tam, uh, with <coughs> after the whole day after me. And no, um, no commitments. Um, also, baking muffins with green gold Vincent, which I do 
three or four Sundays a month, and also uh, working on, on the crew of the Lockage Peak Youth Center there that we do once a month. I, I, I love the people that I work with on that. It's a lot of fun. <coughs> um, for me, it's um, a struggle to keep my heart open with compassion towards myself and others against um, hurts that I've let in and hurts that I've put out. I would say two things that you're actually maybe one. First is just the universal love that permeates all of us and also my self-acceptance is part of that. Music. Uh, last night I was at the symphony and my seat was right perched looking down on the orchestra, very close. I could see the music over their shoulder and then sawing away, and uh, it was music I really, really love, and the orchestra is superb. And all the attention's out there, and I, I could be safe on the edge of things, and I'm just focused on that, as is everybody else. And the goosebumps and tingling, the, it's not my heart, it's my spine, I think, that just, uh, it seemed like last night, every 10 minutes, there was another, this tingling that goes up the spine, and it's a wonderful experience. Um, well, for, actually for many years it really wasn't possible for me to open my heart and um, nor safe, actually. And um, now the smallest things tend to do it. Um, pets and seeing a beautiful painting, um, going to the ocean, and I guess being able to sit with someone in the truth of their pain and finding myself able to Being in nature, it's oftentimes feels like a real opening for you. And then also at times when I'm uh, connecting with another person and a sense of mutual vulnerability, I think that's what really touches me. Yeah. Do we have time for one more song? Not quite. No? Okay. <laughs> Do we have a host today? Do we have a host? Oh, the host today. Um, there are some refreshments out there. I'll start momentarily. There's tea and in your cup. Whenever you're finished, have the same, please. Uh, there's a dollar bowl. We suggest a donation slide to eight dollars. Um, if would you care to, would you can? Um, there's a sign-up sheet for new members on the table. If you care to uh, receive a newsletter from the sign-up, and um, oh yes, and then also around 12:30, people meet near the front door to head out for lunch. Thank you. Back. Are there any other? Yeah. Yeah. My, my name is Bill, and I've been working with Clint 
for a while on some of the dinners, and we're starting up a second dinner, which is sort of appropriate for what we're talking about today. Um, it's going to be nurturing people in a residence house with um, people between 18 and 24 years old that have HIV. And these are pretty much kids that have been homeless or um, dealing with all kinds of issues, but now they're put in this residence, and once a month we're going to be doing a dinner there. Um, the first dinner, the plan is now, I was hoping to get together for May, but it looks like I'm going to try to plan a big party for Pink Saturday and do a big barbecue for them over there. So if you're interested, please talk to me afterwards. One caveat to this, though, is that this facility requires people to go through a screening. So you have to go down and get your fingerprints taken, and you have to go through this fairly elaborate, I mean, it's not elaborate for you, but they, they, they you know, they, they search you. But I, I've been arrested and I was cleared, so. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not too So if you please, if, if, if you feel like it, um, come talk to me. Thanks. Um, I have a couple of announcements. Uh, there's a new updated uh, GDF directory by the Domable. Feel free to take a copy. And um, I have one more copy of this Zen Center publication of nine essays on Buddhism and the 12-step model of recovery. It's $5 if anybody is interested. Do we have any other? Just one real quick one is uh, my name's Howard and there are other members of the program committee who are here. If you can raise your hands, Dean, Clarook, uh, a few others not here. We're responsible for uh, pulling together the speakers for our Sangha. <clears throat> We're always willing uh, and interested in expanding the list of speakers. And we trust uh, a lot of our resources come from you, the crossings that you have had with speakers who have been very meaningful, uh, who, have, you know, who uh, come from a Buddhist uh, history and tradition and background. And uh, so we want to solicit uh, you to pass on names to us, the program committee, so we can get them on our list of speakers. Any other? Yeah. Um, I'm blanking. Oh, uh, I would love to come back more often to the Bay Area. So if there's anyone here who wants to help me kind of be a contact person in the Bay Area, I used to come more regularly to do day of mindfulness retreats here and different things like that. But my contact person moved away. So I need a new contact person to help me arrange things um, locally. So I have other contact persons in other different cities, but I don't have one for the Bay Area right now. So I'd love to come back more often than just once every two years. <laughs> so if you'd like to help me, like me to come back, please um, talk to me afterwards. And also, I hope everyone will just check out my website, intermindful.com, inter like interfaith, mindful like mindfulness, intermindful.com. You can listen to some of my songs and read some of my poems and things like that on the, on the website if you'd like. So thank you very much for having me here this morning. Appreciate it. Hi. My name is Michael. I'd be interested in hearing about other sanghas that might be interesting to visit during the week if anyone knows of any if you just let me know. Yeah, on uh, Monday evenings from 5.30 to 6.30 at the Gay Center is a uh, lovely little Sangha, it's a mixed group, men and women, uh, young, old, very diverse. Uh, half hour meditation from 5.30 to 6, and then 6 to 6.30, speaker. She's singing, will be there tomorrow. Um, and so it's at the Gay Center on the third floor. 
every Monday. If anybody else knows anything, if you maybe tell me afterwards. So thank you. Any other announcements? Yes, George. Yes, a reminder that our talks, over 170 of them at this point, are available on the internet at the GBF website, gaybuddhist.org. With the newcomers who are here for the first or second time, please raise your hands again so we can see the thousands of people. And I've asked Chi Sing to read us in the recording. We can hold hands in one big circle, or is that possible? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can put your hand on the shoulder. <laughs> you can stretch over here. <coughs> put your hand on the shoulder. So I'm going to close with a song. <laughs> Snuck it in. Um, so just repeat after me as we look at each other, all these beautiful hearts open. You are a Thank you for listening to the Gay Buddhist Forum. If you would like to hear several new talks per month and be notified of upcoming speakers so you can participate live, please subscribe to this podcast, like us on Facebook, and join our mailing list by visiting gaybuddhist.org.